Welcome, everybody, to another podcast of Culture and Convictions. I am Iron Petrie, along with my wife, Star Petrie. Hello, America. What's up? <laughs> How is everybody doing? It's so good to be back uh, talking to you on our podcast. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about and we'll jump into some subject matter today that we believe is very, very, very important. Man, a lot's been going on. It's happening like at the speed of light. It's hard to keep up with all of the, the things yeah. that are going on, America. I mean, what it, I, I've sat down and I've tried to take it all in and then I reject a whole lot of it because I don't even want to really get too <laughs> deep into it. It just seems very crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, the time has been, man, it's getting, it's been getting past me. I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it, because of what's going on in the government with the impeachment and everything, all of the different processes and going on and all of the coverage and all of the different things, man, it, it can make your head swim after a while. But, uh, you know, you have to you have to be wise about how you plug in and unplug from some of that stuff, because Telling some of it's just craziness, just absolute silliness. So uh, but we got a lot to talk about. We're so glad that you're here. We want to go ahead and plug and let you know right now to go ahead with this podcast and like uh, this podcast, share it with your friends, post it, let people know about us here at Culture and Convictions. Uh, if you're listening to this on cultureandconvictions.com or if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the different um, platforms that we are on and whichever way you are listening to this, we welcome you and thank you for for tuning in and, like I say, kind of sitting down at our table and listening to us talk about some of the, the things that are near and dear to our heart in terms of the state of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you say culture, that's a very broad term, of course. So you're covering things from politics to religion to, to arts and entertainment. You're covering all kinds of things. But uh, we feel like our culture, this is one of the most, how can I put it? It, it Was it Dickens? Uh, the best of times, worst of times. I mean, it is really one of the most, and, and I use this term uh, sensitively to those who, who have diagnosis, but it is one of the most bipolar times mm. in that uh, there's just a lot of good and bad going on at the same time. Mm. And there's a lot of just things just that are all over the place, you know? And so it's a very important time in our, our nation. It's a very important time uh, in our culture. And being a Christian, being a pastor, a preacher myself, it's a very important and strategic time even in the church. Sure. I mean, there are things that are just going on everywhere yeah. uh, that, that are very significant. There's a, real, there's a real transition taking place, and I think that's no why— doubt. That's why there's so much angst around, you know, yeah. what's going on politically, but also, like you said, what's going on culturally. Um, and and the interesting thing, I, I think, is, like I said, just how fast things are, are, are coming into into view, I think. You know, we're, we're almost around the corner here mm-hmm. in, in terms of, you know, what this 2020 election is going to is going to. Uh, yeah. Give us in the way of, of, of the next president or or a continuation of, of Donald Trump's presidency, but then also all of the things that go with it, because it's not, you know, every platform has and brings a, a different vision mm-hmm. and, and lays a different foundation for what the, what, you know, the American experience will be. Yeah. And, and that can be positive or it can be negative. So, you know, interesting thing. You turn on the news and we find out that uh, Kamala Harris is, has dropped out of the 2020 uh, yeah. Democratic primaries and um, not necessarily surprising, I don't think. Um, but but certainly she started out as one of you know the, the more m- promising candidates, absolutely, yeah. and and the most talked about. And I think probably the most likely to had had she gone further, probably the one most likely to get I think uh, President uh, Obama's uh, support, yeah, Michelle's support. So it's it's interesting to see her her drop out, but then it's also interesting to see how those main candidates begin to shape up. I mean, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Warren, Joe Biden, yeah. uh, Buttigieg. Yeah. Um, so you, you have this very vanilla field, mm-hmm. I think, that juxtaposed to a Democratic platform that says, you know, we care so deeply All about, diversity. about everything yeah. concerning you. Yeah. Um, and yet, they're also the ones that tell us that representation matters. So it's interesting that in the field of candidates, there's no representation. Yeah, yeah. it's like where is that representation? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what that what that's going to shape up to be. I just 
you know, it's unfortunate that, that the Democrats don't have a better candidate. But again, as I said, it's all about platform. And when yeah. your platform is, I don't Paper know. thin. Absolutely. Very, very <laughs> shallow. You know very, what I mean? A mile shallow. wide and, and an inch deep. Yes. Then, then you leave people with very little to, to support, especially when they've already endured um, or they've already experienced eight years um, of, of those policies, not just those policies, mm-hmm. but also the Democrats having those majorities. Oh, yeah. No uh, and being in a it. position to really steer the country in the way that they wanted. And what we got out of it was, you know, health care and and uh, is there anything else that you can think of that really came out of it? And I mean, I, I say that health care only because that was their that was their. Yeah, their, that was a big thing. Big uh, achievement. That was a big achievement. But you know what? You know, here, here's a here's a perspective I have about it. Uh, certainly there were some quote-unquote, promising candidates uh, like Kamala Harris. Uh, But at the end of the day, just like you said, they can't escape the weakness of their platform. They cannot escape standing in the long shadow of President Obama, Um, one of the most likable, lovable, popular presidents really in history. I mean, President Obama, it was like a rock star in the White House. That, That really was what it was like. And they stand in that shadow. But what I think a lot of people don't want to admit, especially those who dislike President Trump, is that one of the big problems for why the Democratic Party is struggling is because President Trump, regardless of your issues with temperament or issues with Twitter Mm -hmm. or issues with this, that or the other, his record is historic in some issues. I mean, the things that he is doing and the things that are getting done. Sure. Sure. the American people are feeling tangible results, regardless of your color. Mm-hmm. They're feeling tangible results as black people, Latinos, Asians. They're feeling tangible results economically. And and there is a, a, a man in the White House who is all about getting stuff done. Sure. And things are getting done in an unprecedented fashion and with speed and with clarity and with soundness. Things that the press will not cover. Mm-hmm. things that nobody will talk about, but things that the American people are feeling. And when you start to, when you depend so heavily, as right. the Democratic Party does, on personality and performance and rhetoric, right? And you depend heavily on those things and you trot out your candidates, but they are pitted against tangible results people are feeling, sure. even if they don't like President Trump. It kind of, dumbs down everybody's response because you can't ignore reality. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's you can't true. turn away from that. You can't turn away from the job numbers. You can't turn away from the unprecedented uh, low unemp- uh, un- unemployment amongst blacks. You can't turn away from prison reform. You can't turn away from from education uh, reform that is on the docket that they're now pushing very strongly to, to get done that's coming. You, you can't get away <laughs> You can't get away from these realities. And I think that is part of their problem. And so now, as you've said before in private conversation, people are tired. They're tired of hearing all of this this stuff. And um, and I just think that's one of the, the things that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to say it because there are a lot of people who are entrenched in their belief and in their, their, their position not to give President Trump any credit whatsoever for anything. But. You know, it's kind of like once once you're getting the results, the results speak for you, whether you want to give them the credit or not. Sure. Well, I you know, I, again, I, I think it's it's just an interesting thing to see to see the Democratic field take shape, to see it be filled, you know, with someone, um, you know, like uh, what's his name, Bloomberg, yeah. who now comes in with his billions of dollars. Because see, the one thing that Trump has 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 really lit a fire for now is that I'm sure all of his all of the liberal um, his friends or his acquaintances in business mm-hmm. say why didn't I think of that yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like I have billions too and I want to be president but they don't necessarily understand that obviously this is a man with a different conviction that's what I it's always no interesting doubt. to me when people talk about President Trump as though oh he's just pompous and arrogant and he you know he just wants power and it's like but but he's never he he has never asserted himself he he didn't walk in the white house saying i won okay yeah like like his predecessor 
That's not what That's he said. That's very true. Right? He had a platform. He said, these are the things that I want to do to make America great again, irrespective of what people think about the phrase. But that's what he said. And, and who wouldn't want America to be great? If you're an American, I don't understand why that's offensive. Um, I know it. But he steps in the office and he begins to do the work outside mm-hmm. of the normal beltway politics that people have come to just endure and, and kind of deal with. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's very telling that, again, you have a party, and you have the Democratic Party that begins to be set up, millionaires and billionaires, same people that they say they want to take you know, fifty oh, yeah. percent of everything they make, um, and then white women and white men. Mm-hmm. Um, so it 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 just kind of slaps in the face the whole the you know several constituencies that they very much rely on. Yeah. And so I, I saw a, a video on the View where Michael Eric Dyson was talking about about this issue um, for the Democrats. Yeah. Um, how it will change, you know, the election going forward. And I, and I want to play it for you and, and then we'll come back. Ask you a little bit about, you know, the fact that Kamala just dropped out of yeah. the race and now you have all these white people at the top. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's really an exception, huh? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> well, there was, uh, you know, hope that she would be in the top tier. There's no question. I mean, you look, know. she's an enormously talented woman. You all have had a tremendous conversation about the various issues, you know? Yeah. Uh, you have to have moxie. You have to have chutzpah. you got to be able to get out there and do your thing. She was able to do that, but I think that the, the, the fact that she was judged in a different way, you know, we can say, you talked about uh, Amy Klobuchar out here, who's yeah. a prosecutor as well. They came at Kamala pretty hard. And I think Who part, did? well, I think the, 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 press? the press did. I think the media did. I think critics within the party did. I think people, dem- and some black people, demanding of Kamala what they wouldn't demand of other people. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the facts. And I'm going to tell you something else that's interesting. I think Kamala <coughs> and Cory Booker have had a hard time with black people because of delayed response of grief among some African American people. Love Obama as a human being, but his policies. They're questioning now in terms of their efficacy and his approach. Because if meaning, anything... Meaning, meaning they, they can't work. Well, did it meaning help black that people? They, they, think, they, did, yeah. they did not help black people. And the fact is, whatever you say about Donald Trump, this is what he shows you. Race will be spoken about. Either you take the bully pulpit and you do it, or you, like huh. Obama, have a loathing a and a dis- disregard for it. And when you lay back, the vacuum is yeah. filled. Donald Trump has showed you you've got to seize it by seize the bull by the horns. So I think there's a delayed response so of grief of African people. People are weary that that could happen again. They think with Kamala and Corey, who are extraordinary people, yeah. Yeah. hmm, they look a little bit like what he looked. And therefore, we want somebody a bit more vocal and a bit more vigorous, although it's impossible as a black woman. You know, you got that double burden. On the one hand, you're being judged through that prism. And on the other hand, uh, you're being demanded to act in a way as if that gender doesn't exist. So then explain Biden's popularity. Well, look, Uncle Joe was a... (laughs) Look, look, a couple things. First of all, he hung out with the black guy for eight years. Black people appreciate the fact that he did that, right? No question. But secondly... Biden had bona fides among black people before Obama came on the scene. When you went to the White House party, as I did on, uh, you know, Black History Month, it was nice. You went to Biden's party, it was it was lit. It was lit, right? right? So, and he was like, "Hey, how are you? Huh, what's up? Hey, I know you back from the NAACP in Delaware." Yeah. And so, black people were vibing with him, right? In a way. And then, thirdly, uh, Biden has been a guy who's been on the front line to defend what he thinks is the right thing. And he's the typical experience of a white guy trying to grapple with race in America. And what about All electability? Of his, his electability. Well, I mean, he was hanging out. He's look. Many white people who are with Donald Trump might go with Joe Biden because they're relatively the same age, same kind of demeanor, radically dissimilar politics. But I'll tell you this, and this is something we don't want to necessarily say, when he was being pummeled for his views on busing in the 1970s, there were some white folk who were with Donald Trump who go, well, he might be the kind of guy I could switch from, <laughs> uh, from Donald Trump to him, because he seems to be my kind of guy. And then also his bona fides among black people. Mm-hmm. So it's a very mixed bag going on there. But I think it's a subliminal suggestion of race happening at every point. I see. Uh, it's amazing to me that, that now um, it's okay for black people to openly mm-hmm. uh, discuss the fact that the Obama administration was found wanting in its true um, in, it, in its true cause and, and measure uh, afford progression for black people. Because remember, 
when when President Obama was elected, this was for us. We yeah. won. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Someone actually told me that. She said, "She said we won, baby." <laughs> oh, and yeah. I was like, "I it was, didn't. It was very I serious. didn't vote for the man." So <laughs> I mean, congratulations. Um, so so I, w- I was told I was told the same thing, but it, with with an opposite intention. I was actually on a radio broadcast, and somebody called in. You know, <laughs> somebody called in, and they kind of spiked the ball on me because they were like, they knew that we were kind of questioning the validity of an Obama presidency before he was ever elected. And sure. we were just always talking about it. It was like, guys, I don't know. You know. But anyway, they, they said they said to, to me while I was on the radio, it was because of people like you <laughs> that, <laughs> that we won and he is in the White House. And they were like, thank you very much. Click and hung up, hung up. And I was like, I you can spike it. the ball. I'm good, good with that because I know history is going to teach us a different lesson. It always does. It always does. When your political ideology is the left, mm-hmm. is on, on the left. So Eric Michael Dyson says that, that black people are having a, a delayed response to, to grief. <laughs> like, really? Y'all are in, we're in mourning now? That's what happened? Wow. And, and yet... And yet then we want to we want to go into, well, the reason why Joe Biden has the support of black people is because he he hung out with the black dude for eight years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that why? Because he hung out with him. Because, I mean, there were some political aspirations of his own, I'm sure. No doubt about that tied it. his that hitched his wagon to President Obama's. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. So. I'm just, it's amazing how how things are framed. And then he goes on to say, well, Uncle Joe, you know, Uncle Joe has support because Uncle Joe has always been down for black people. But remember, and he glossed over this, but he mentioned this, that in the 70s, Biden was was completely against busing for Mm -hmm. desegregation of schools. Yeah. So I'm always amazed how these records just get, I mean, nobody cares about that. That was... Oh, you no. know, 30 well, years they, ago. they don't care yes. about it unless you were conservative or you were a Republican. That is absolutely correct. It would never be forgotten. That, that is absolutely correct. Let us find you in blackface. Mm-hmm. You're gone. Let yeah. us find out you had a, a a policy against black people. You're gone. So this is this is where we are in American politics, that things are just ever. It's like shifting shadows. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You don't know what to say or how to say it because you're just like, you know, if I say that Barack Obama was not for black people, then I use a lie. But <laughs> Michael Eric Dyson can come out and say exactly what I just said. Yeah, I and just said it eight years earlier. Thank you. And, and, yeah. And yeah, I'm beating to right. the punch. That's right. Yes, you're so right. You know. And then I, I thought it also interesting that he says, well, you know, Trump is, is going to he's going to talk about race. Mm-hmm. But has President Trump talked about race no. or has President Trump said that irrespective of your race and your status in this country, you should have access and opportunity to be whoever and whatever you want to be. Economically, you should be free to do what you want to do. Educationally, you should be free to do what it is that you want Mm -hmm. to do. And I'm here to provide a means to make that happen. So, yeah, just... I don't know. Every time I hear those folks, I'm just like, my head is swimming. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, but you know what I hope? This is, this is what I hope. And, and this is what I desire to see. And I hope that this is kind of being a, a small tipping point for this happening, that there being an awakening amongst black people to require more than verbal platitudes as a criteria for voting. Mm-hmm. But results. results, you know what I'm saying? Because now we're sitting under the 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 commander in chief that is, you know, the grand wizard of the KKK. But, you know, he's he's Hitler. He's this. He's 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 everything that's evil. But yet here he is presiding over. Real tangible advancement for black people. Right. Right. And his policies are doing it. And what I what I hope for black people to do as a whole, not switch Republican, not become you know that, that forget parties for a second, people. Get mm-hmm. out of party politics and, and partisanship. Get your head out of that space and start thinking about what has always been in the best interest for the forward advancement of black people. Has it been the acquisition of political power and representation or free market economics? Sure. Now, historically, it has been the market. Yes. It has not been having a black face in a White House. Mm-hmm. It has been you having the freedom 
to pursue your interest by policies that are passed down from the government that allow people to 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 go out and to in the free market and to compete and to and to work and to do their thing right to achieve their potential and i feel like for us we need to have that awakening and that's not an awakening to being republican Mm -hmm. that's an awakening to common sense that's an awakening to to real analysis of how the world works right. instead of sitting down here listening to people who come into our communities. And once again, the left, they depend so heavily on this, listening to rhetoric and, and people saying the right things and sure. turning the right phrase. And, and like he, he, he mentions uh, Uncle Joe turning up at a party. You know, it's like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> with the advancement of black people on the ground every day, living every day in the world? It's like Bill Clinton playing the saxophone. Yeah. What are we talking it's like, about? What, what does that have to do with tangible results for what we consider to be the disenfranchised and marginalized in our society and their ability to move forward? Yeah. You know, and so we have to wake up to that. We have to wake up to that reality and what President Trump has on his side as opposed to and juxtaposed to the left and anybody else over there Mm -hmm. is that he is dealing with conservative economic policy making. Sure. And it is unleashing people in the marketplace, whether that be job creators or people who need them, whether those are the people like I like to always say who sign the front of the check or the back of the check. Mm -hmm. He is releasing these people to that that type of policy making. Now, is he creating the jobs? No. Because government doesn't create the jobs, but he creates the environment in which the job creators feel confident to go out and do so. And he's doing it despite the the constant adversarial nature of all of his political opponents Gee, and the media and, and the, the press. I'm telling you, and everybody, he does Hollywood. it. He does it in spite of that. So I think it's really interesting because you know, honestly, when you think about it, what could Barack Obama, President Obama, could have gotten anything done, especially once the Democratic Congress came in. He could have gotten anything in the world done that he wanted to get done, folks. Yeah. And 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 had nothing but media support behind him. And so you juxtapose that to the current environment mm-hmm. where, like I said, President Trump has, I mean, there are adversaries on every side. I mean, if I go out and put something on Twitter, you're mad. If I go over here and, and, and tell this diplomat or whoever, get your stuff together, you're mad. I mean, what do you want me to do? You, you're you basically trying to confine me to, to being irrelevant. Yeah. And you would, you, would, you would force that irrelevancy on me and and cause the entire American economy and the American people to suffer for it just to prove a point. Mm, yeah. Just because you don't like me personally. No doubt. And that's what's an amazing thing. Cause you know, when, when president Obama was in office, it was, well, you need to support the office. Yeah. Right. Like you need to get over it. You need to support the office. Yeah. So where, where is that same? That's why I said, you just don't know. You can't, you can't keep you, up with uh, it. Kanye said it best. Said it best. <laughs> you can't do enough for nobody out here. Here's the thing. When I look at Joe Biden and I look at President Trump uh, and he alluded to it, Michael Eric Dyson alluded to it in his statement. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this. Then we move on to the next topic. But he talked about these men being dissimilar in policy, Mm -hmm. but very much similar in terms of the fact that they both have personality traits that kind of put people off. Right. Yeah, but, but no, 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 okay. no, no. Trust me, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> they different. I was gonna say <laughs> they're different in my eyes because I, you know, it's a difference between somebody being very bold and, and blunt about where they stand on certain things and being re- willing to blast you on Twitter versus somebody who says things that's kind of creepy and just real sniffing little girl's hair. And just, I, I, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to go there. I don't want to <laughs> go there. What I, what I'm trying to say is that here we are. Uh. For President Trump, disqualifying him solely upon temperament, mm-hmm. but yet having no problem with Joe Biden's serious issues in terms of character and temperament. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? It's like an overlooking of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, Joe, but, but he's still Uncle Joe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But here it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like the hypocrisy of it all, because Donald Trump is doing good and he just you know he's just gonna tell you how he feel about it he's a counterpuncher. he ain't gonna sit there and let you say it and he not say something back that is totally different than some of the things that i see coming out of out of joe biden's mouth that are just absolutely weird <laughs> they are 
they're weird <sighs> and they're kind of they're they're weird they're creepy they're unsettling mm-hmm. and, and it's unsettling for a lot of people mm-hmm. even people who who don't like president trump are finding him on uns- uh, uh joe biden very unsettling but well, my favorite was you know years ago when he said they're gonna put y'all back in chain <laughs> yeah. i'm like now how they gonna do that yeah. how they gonna do it no i know y'all have done it but how are they going to do no. it? no it's just the reality of what is going on right now positively and the results are tangible like i said and it's very hard to argue against results when all you've got is an argument so what i love most about watching all of this go down is is still seeing that progress is being made and that um, despite all the circus that the media yeah. provides to you, there really is a want, I think, um, to to make sure that the policies and the things that were first spoken about during you know his candidacy for president actually become a re- uh, a reality. Mm-hmm. And you know, one that's very near and dear to our hearts is yeah. school choice because I believe that that is Man. no no doubt it's the civil rights issue of the day. And it's and, big. And it for anyone huge. to be against that. Um, I, d- I don't understand it for the amount of money that we spend per pupil in, in the United States. Um, I think like, and president Trump's going to say this in the clip, but uh, we're like in the thirties or something ranking for, for education. Um, oh, amazing. And sometimes the, the, the expenditure per pupil is the highest in some of the worst performing schools. Of course, of course. Inner city schools. Of course. So it's not a, it's not a lack of money. No. And, and we can't keep throwing money at it to try to fix it. Um, but you certainly can empower pre- parents that can say, hey, you know what? Y'all ain't doing it. I'm not going to contend with you. I'm not going to try to no doubt. explain to you why I don't want my kid bullied after school or why I don't want this teacher continually telling my kid they're dumb. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up my kid. I'm going to take them across the way to the school that you know is getting all the rave reviews. No doubt. It completely uh, changes the marketplace. And, and, and I just want to say this before you play it. it, it, it uh, to underscore what I said earlier when I used the term, like I said, sensitively, but I use the term bipolar because it really describes to me uh, how things are going on in this this world. And you alluded to it a minute ago, but you've got all of this resistance, all of this bad press, all of all not only bad press, but an absence of press about things that need to be talked about and amplified. And here it is. We're, we I mean, we're talking about things that people have talked about, prayed about, desired and wanted to happen. Prison reform is something we have been talking about forever. School choice. I mean, this argument goes back decades. Mm-hmm. This is this is Milton Friedman, Thomas Sowell. This is this is Walter Williams. Th- these are people who have blazed the trail ideologically standing up for these things. Sure. We and and here we are talking about it now. We're talking about a wall. Nobody likes to talk about that wall much anymore, mm. right? <laughs> nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about the things that are going on. That this unprecedented legislation, that things just keep moving forward, right in the middle of a time in which it has been the most negative. Sure. I mean, there has been a fight every single day since on television in, since he got since he with this president since he got in the. Ra- I mean, it has not race. stopped. And and I'm no apologist for President Trump in no. that in that I'm not I'm I'm some person that's going to sit up and and uh, and uh, ignore things he might say that I wish he wouldn't or do or whatever. But here's one thing that you have to take away, whether you are friend or foe, is that man has the thickest skin. Yeah. I have ever seen like water off of a, a leader. <laughs> it's like water off a duck's back. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps on going. And that's something admirable and commendable because that's what any leader needs. Yeah. Man, I, I, it is, it's something. It is something to watch. So I want to I wanna play this clip. And, and this is a, a roundtable discussion at the White House that President Trump is having in reference to school choice and, and empowering families to be able to, to, to choose the, the educational path that they want for their come children. Come on, man. And so we'll listen to this and then we'll come back urgent national priority that we've been working on so long and so hard, expanding educational freedom through school choice so that every American child can get a great education. We're grateful to be joined by Vice President Mike Pence, Secretary Betsy DeVos, Senators Ted Cruz and Mike Lee, Representative Bradley Byrne, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, 
Pennsylvania House Speaker Mike Terzai, Tennessee State Representative John DeBarry, and students, parents, and teachers from across the nation. Some wonderful, brilliant students are with us, and we're going to be having a big session in a little while. As President, I'm fighting every day for the forgotten American. We are looking past criminal justice reform. We got that done, criminal justice reform. They could have never done it without me. It was done by us. It wasn't done by anybody else. They came to me. They've been trying to get it for many years. President Obama wouldn't do it or couldn't get it done. Maybe that means the same thing. Uh, but I got criminal justice reform done. The press doesn't want to mention that, but we got it done. And we got it done soundly and good. And we had a lot of help, including from Mike Lee. Mike, that was uh, something. When I heard Mike was in favor, I said, boy, he's pretty conservative. <laughs> it's pretty something. But we, it worked out. Uh, worked, it's working out very well. And uh, it's a big step. And we're proud of it. And I think when you look at the African-American community in particular, they are the biggest beneficiaries of criminal justice reform. So we're honored to have helped. We passed the criminal justice reform and the legislation to target resources to distressed communities. Our economy is lifting up citizens of every background. Uh, you saw the new reports coming out on unemployment. They're the best in the world, best we've ever had, the best this country's ever had, historic records. We have the lowest unemployment in the history of our country for African Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans. And overall, we're just about going to break the all-time record. We're very close. But now is the time to fight for the forgotten child, and that's what we're doing with respect to education. For decades, countless children have been trapped in failing government schools. In my administration, these children are forgotten no longer. Just like I said, I was going to do it for different groups of people, and we did it. We have the strongest economy probably in the history of our country. The numbers came out, as you saw on Friday, with a number of jobs that nobody believed possible. Uh, 200, uh, well over 200,000. They were thinking about 50. Some people thought it would be 50,000, 60,000. You saw how badly uh, Canada did. We had 266,000. Canada had an unbelievable period and is going through something. Uh, and yet, we are right there. And the whole world is not doing well. And we're doing phenomenally well. We're doing better than with the hottest economy in the world. We're doing great. So yeah. President Trump kind of outlines, you know, a couple of things, his his successes, but then also talking about why they're they're there. I, I'm going to encourage everybody to to you know find this this video because he's got several students yeah. and teachers in the room um, that give their particular testimonies. Um, but but what was really telling in hearing from them is that these are the stories that go untold. When the, when the Democrats talk about um, support for uh, low-income communities, it's, it's funny how they never want to touch the, the golden egg. And that the golden egg, to me, is, is always, what, is, what are the educational pathways that those low-income students have mm. to, to moving out Come on. Uh, of the dire straits that they, that they were born into, into a new acculturation? Uh, and that acculturation is, is one of achievement and, and one of opportunity through using what God has given me. You know what I mean? The opportunity to flex my mind to become that doctor, to become that lawyer, to become that entrepreneur, no doubt. Um, to become that college graduate that has never been done in my family. Mm -hmm. um, but the Democrats are very, are very quiet on those issues because, of course, they're beholden to the teachers' unions. Yeah. Um, so I, I, for one... Like I said, it is the civil rights issue of the day that if we really want to talk about equality um, in the in this country, it's not necessarily about race. It's about those who are at the bottom, whether they they be white in West Virginia yeah. and don't have access to great education or whether they be black people or Latinos in other areas yeah. uh, around the country that don't have access to education. But that is the key. And I think in 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 his want to really bring this to the forefront, there's definitely going to be a fight. Because the fight is to say that if you are a sorry teacher, or if you are a sorry school administrator, 
you're not needed. Hmm. And we're going to weed out those underperforming personnel, not underperforming schools as in the kids underperform, the underperforming administrators and personnel that don't do the job that's necessary. Hmm. But then also creating a culture for those parents who are invested in their child's education to be able to put them in an environment where they have like-minded parents, like-minded administrators, like-minded professionals who say, let's all join hands in this situation and create the best opportunity for your child to succeed. No doubt about it. Changes the entire conversation. It changes everything. It changes everything because, I mean, when you look at, uh, the charter schools and the the explosion of charter schools many years ago and, and the KIPP schools and all these different things that started cropping up and taking these inner city kids who come from the same backgrounds or where these schools are failing and students are underperforming and just terrible performance educationally, right? And they're taking these same kids and these kids' performance is going through the roof and they're outperforming uh, these public schools and they're the same kids, same backgrounds, sure. same socioeconomic status, Right. Now, here's the thing. Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education, right? She's getting booed at historically black colleges. Mm-hmm. She's uh she, she's getting treated like she's uh she's just a nutcase and she doesn't know what she's doing. But the one thing she has is a history of supporting those schools that have been successful at educating inner city black kids. Mm-hmm. Now, President Trump appoints her for the specific purpose of what is what what this round table is about because see and like you said this is big and and people don't understand that early education sets the groundwork for just how vulnerable you are to demagoguery that's exactly right later on in life and indoctrination if we can get quality education at the lower grades it, it goes a long way into protecting that child from when he steps on these university campuses right. and prof- Professor Dimwit starts talking about all of the craziness that he wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. It starts with education. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that our children are growing up increasingly in single-parent households, Correct. they're growing up in these environments that are not ideal, which is something we, we want to work on as well, but that's a social issue. That's a, that's a spiritual issue Correct. dealing with family. But... Seeing as though we can have educational reform in the form of school choice, getting these kids in better environments, getting these kids in schools that have some success mm-hmm. with them, it's it's everything. It's everything for them because it's going to change the whole dynamic of, of their life, their trajectory, what they can do, who they can be, and how they see the world. How they see the world and themselves in the world. Yes. Do you see yourself as a victim? Well, I, everything's arrayed against me, so I can't be successful. Exactly. Or do I see myself as someone I'm empowered to succeed? I can do whatever I want. And one of the reasons why the left hates it is because not only does it change the way you see yourself and you see the world, but then in that being changed, it changes the way you engage. Oh, absolutely. In politics. Absolutely. It changes the way you vote. I mean... <laughs> The <laughs> the fallout of, of this uh, being passed and done and put into action, because I'm telling you, I, I perceive there's going to be a major fight. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why this impeachment and all of this stuff is going on, because when you start to touch that educational mountain, people don't realize the ramifications of it. And and for me, it's it's one of the I mean, when I saw him appoint Betsy DeVos, I got excited. I didn't know a whole lot about her, I, I'll admit, so I had to start reading some things and finding out about her a little bit because I'm like, who is she? And what? You? I knew she was rich. That's all I knew. I heard she was a very, very wealthy woman. But I started to find out that historically this woman, regardless of what you thought about her, she has put her money where her mouth is. And so people are sitting around, you know, having a problem with this, but they don't understand what's unfolding here. And to me, it's a beautiful thing to see. Because it's time. It is time to start dealing with these underperforming schools. And it's time for to take away that excuse that a lot of times the educational system has of placing the blame on everything else outside of itself. Right. Right. We need more money or well this or well that. No, we need to see results. And, And it also it empowers those educators who truly care. Yes. About education, because what they're the talking about to the top. is creating is is empowering states to have scholarships that they can then give to 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 children to choose their educational path and in doing so 
you empower educators now to say, well, why can't we start our own magnet school? Yeah. Why do we have to be stuck in the public school system? Mm-hmm. Because I don't like all. I don't want to do Common Core. I don't want to yeah. have to 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 Dear live Lord. by you know no child left behind and policies that are broken and don't work. So you're st- you're going to start to see that when people are able to have a vested interest, that it's not that it's not government mandated or or union controlled. When people get a chance to dis- to determine for themselves what's in the best interest for their family what's in the best interest for their communities, that all of a sudden people know what to do. They can, suddenly they're not so bereft of, of, of yeah. common yeah, just and understanding of topics and, and, and what they think is, in, is, is for the best of their community. They know. Isn't that the pride and the hubris of it all from government, that they know better than parents what is best for their children? Oh, sure. You know, because that's honestly what it sure. is. It's an undermining of parental influence and authority is to say that, you know, you know, and, and that's why you sit back and you wonder why would, why would, education be so against school choice i mean it's the weirdest it's like the craziest thing that nobody seems to ever ask themselves that question it's, why would you not want a parent to be able to choose it's the same hypocrisy that we see with our public servants right who co- who go out and they say oh we support the public school system but then you ask them well you know where you send your kids to school yeah <laughs> well my yeah. kid is down the street in that private school over there oh, and yeah. has been there for the last three years no doubt right because as much as I want to say that I support public schools. And the I, rapper's kids. There you go. I ain't sending my babies into that, into that craziness. I mean, they rapping about stuff that make you commit, your kids commit felonies. That's correct. And their kids are in private school. That, that is absolutely correct. So, so Living on our heads. It's an amazing, it's an amazing time. But I, but I really pray that people's eyes are open. And that people get still enough to, to research it for themselves. Even on this podcast is not to take our word for it or to or to sit back and say well you know i guess i guess that's right i, I agree but yeah. it is to say that i'm going to think critically about the issues that that are pertinent and important to to me no doubt you know what i mean the things that that i am faced with every day uh and in doing so i think people i think th- it, there'll be some real easy decisions when you go into that ballot box Very. i mean you're not gonna have to sit there and sweat bullets about it no you do you're gonna not. be like i got this <laughs> yeah, this is not hard. No doubt um, about it, man, because and it is like you said, we're we're appealing to common sense and appealing to uh having a an understanding of what is in the best interest of people. Uh and and not just the the body politic cuz one of the things that is that is so um obvious is that politicians just aren't working to solve people's problems. And that's one of the things I think that that President uh, Trump's presidency has really underscored mm-hmm. because the speed at which he's done a lot of things ha- has kind of been just, it's been a tailspin for a lot of people because you're not used to seeing government work so fast and efficient mm-hmm. at, at what they said they're going to do. Mm-hmm. He made promises on the campaign trail and you start going down the list and checking boxes and whether you like him or not, you got to start checking boxes <laughs> and saying, okay, check <laughs> that's there check that's in and that's the thing man and and hopefully it awakens people to engaging much more uh, intelligently and with much more thought into the governmental process in the in the voting process so that when this election rolls around we're not turning out people to go to the polls just because of what you hate and what you can't and, and some emotion and some feeling but but you're going to the polls based on hard data and information and knowledge about what's going on. And uh, I think that's when we get the best. So there's definitely, um, to me, an, an all-out assault on President Trump. And, and, it's, and it's to impugn the election. It's to, it's to undermine the American people. Um, and it's called impeachment. No. And... And the um, impeachment fervor that we've seen um, did not just kind of come out of nowhere. This was talked about back in 2016 when he was elected. <laughs> so this this is not something like, man, I don't know. I mean, he just really must have messed up. No, 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 no. This is exactly what people with you know within the political ranks had wanted from the very beginning. And this no is, you know, we're going to spend some, some more time talking about this, in, you know, in depth. 
or as in depth as we want to get. I mean, we're yeah. not going to get into the technicalities of, of voting and committees and all that stuff because that's not this program. No. But just in talking about um, why, why now, um, wh- what, does it, what does it do for the American people and and is there really a bribery, treason, or a high crime and misdemeanor that's been committed? Um, and as and as we talk about the subject, really examining this is what this is the political theater that we have allowed mm-hmm. to creep into um, our our civics because yeah. this is not about this this is not about personalities. This is not what it's about, and it's not about about race or fighting against um, a racially charged president or someone who who doesn't care about the American people. This is about a group of bureaucrats sitting in Washington, D.C. that said, how dare you upend our plans? We were on a roll. We had eight years of President Obama. We wanted another we wanted four years at minimum with Hillary Clinton. And we told you what to do. We told you guys that she's the smartest, she's the most reputable, she has the most experience, she's the best suited, the best the best temperament. Mm-hmm. I mean, we explained all of that to you useless idiots, <laughs> and you still went to the ballot box and you voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So this is this is the fight that we're in and you and I have talked about this before. No, no doubt. Yes, ma'am. That we've we've assumed that that the lines of delineation in this country are you know race, gender, yeah. economics, but it's not. That is not the issue. The issue is about those who have power and influence and like to flex, yes. and those who don't. Yes. And those of us who go to work every day, forty hours a week, take our kids to soccer practices, we do all of those things. We are those that don't. Yeah. Right. In their mind, you really don't have power. They've th- so much so that they want to negate your vote at every turn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So this is this is the fight that we're in. And I hope as we frame the discussion, hopefully for the next podcast, yeah. that people are able to cl- see clearly that, again, you don't just impeachment is not about impeachment is not about the person in the office. It's about the integrity of of the constitutional powers that have been assigned to that office yeah so when you assault those and when you when well not assault those but when you assault the person in the office then it it clouds the the entire purpose for why impeachment exists yeah because you make it personal and this this ought not to be a a personal affront to, to president trump or a personal affront to the american people to say again idiots we told you what to do well it's 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 personal for the left because the left's ideology is personal sure for them in that when you when you say it it's almost as though when you say no to the left they personalize it and they personalize everything mm-hmm. your disagreement with what they believe what they say what they would like to do what they think is right is is a personal jab right. because in essence, it's like their beliefs for them are their redemption. It's their form of salvation. That's why there's, you know, there's the climate change and and this group and that group and all. And and by the way, they don't even adhere to their own uh, proclamations a lot of times. No different than we were talking about diversity. And, and, and here it is. You look at their field in the Democratic Party and what are you seeing? Are you seeing any diversity there? No. You're seeing a lot of nothing. That's <laughs> what you're seeing. And so at the end, and I, I mean that seriously because it's the truth. And and so, you know, they, they, they've always got these ideas that they personalize. So they're taking it very personal. Trump's election and being and being made the president of the United States by the American people going to the polls voting for him hurt them personally. It was a jab at the very core of what they thought they had kind of maneuvered to to gain a certain amount of control in the minds but, of Americans. But but Hillary won the, the popular vote. So I mean, exactly. you know Hillary wins the pop wins the popular vote. They go downtown and they rent out this building <laughs> that's made of glass. <laughs> right? No no think about this I'm, now. I'm with you. They they're setting up for a symbolic yes metaphoric explosion of breaking the through glass that glass ceiling, ceiling and broken. Bro- 
and and doing something unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Why? That that is very uh, organic to the left mm-hmm. in their belief system. Those kinds of things. And when it did not happen, it was shock and awe. People were just I and mean, people had they call it Trump derangement I'm syndrome, but it wasn't about Trump, and it's still not about Trump, no. and the impeachment's not about Trump, and no. this is what I hope. Oh God, this is what I hope the American people wake up to see. This is about us. Mm-hmm. This is about you and me, America. This is about us. Because they thought they had indoctrinated you enough yes. to control you to do what they wanted you to do. Exactly. And they thought when given the choice between <laughs> between Hillary and Trump, you were definitely, definitely grown enough, mm-hmm. smart enough, mm-hmm. mature enough mm-hmm. to pick Hillary. I'm with her. No, I'm not. And they knew it. And <laughs> the American people said, no. I'm not with her. No. They said no. And they gave a chance to this mogul <laughs> who's come in and with the stroke of his pen and working across the aisle more than he's given credit because prison reform was bipartisan, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has done so much that the left would love to claim credit for and they can't sure because they had their chance. I mean, you had eight years. They had a wonderful chance. I mean, you had a decade, basically. They had a wonderful chance. To do chance. some of the, you could have, you could have been President Trump before President Trump. <laughs> I know they won't take that as a compliment, but at the end of the day, they had a chance to do something, and they blew it mm-hmm. because they were interested in platitudes and playing the political games. Mm-hmm. And here we are now in Trump's presidency, and it is what it is: like him, love him, hate him, can't stand him. The results are in. Sure. And that's just the bottom line. And, and here's what we have to be very cautious of is that people should not feel people, people in Washington and on the Beltway should not feel that at any time they can fix the fight. Mm. And this is what the impeachment is about. This is a fixed fight. They went out of their way to create um, a myth. And had no evidence, have no evidence. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, and so. Again, I'm not going to get all into it, you know, at the close of this podcast, but we definitely we definitely look forward to, to talking about this more. And, and like you said, just um, come on, America. Come on, America. It's I know not you going see away it. anytime soon, I know so we're going to have it. time to talk about it. Yes, please, please see it. Please, please see it. It is a disregard for our intelligence as a voting public, and it is trying to undo our decision. It has nothing to do with President Trump. But anyway, like she said, we're going to get more into that. We're going to talk about it because... You know they gon' they gonna keep talking about it, and they go they're gonna I'm telling you they're gonna try to ride this horse until they break it. <laughs> they're gonna keep trying, and it's ridiculous because this is costing a lot of money. And that's another thing nobody talks about. They're just spending our money on a wild goose chase and a witch hunt. As uh, uh, one of my one of my uh, favorite doctors, Dr. Joel Wallach, says, somebody needs to go to jail. <laughs> but, but anyway, that concludes this podcast of Culture and Convictions. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to us. Listen, share this podcast with your family, your friends. Whether you like it, whether you don't, whether you want to jump in the conversation, whether you want to add something to it, please get in contact with us, connect with us, and we'll be back next time on Culture and Convictions. So until then, God bless.